Welcome to Hallelujah Monkeys for May 15th. My name is Dylan Flynn. My name is Trevor Ickrath. Marilyn Monroe, George Washington, and Mona Lisa are faces made immortal in in the great portraits of history. I can't wait to see where you're going with this. And Trevor, this week, two more have joined their ranks of having been immortalized uh, in, in a fine work of art. I'm talking, of course, about you and me. Right. <laughs> yes. This fucking made my week. It was so cool. Okay, yeah. so... Just in the same way that that Warhol and and Da Vinci are important names, so so is also Hallelujah Monkeys listener Buggy King twenty five, who saw it in his heart to to use his creative potential to render the hosts of this fine podcast that you're listening to now in in fan art depicting you and me sat at the at the round table. Funny, I should mention that uh, it wasn't until I saw this drawing that I realized how ridiculous the concept of us having a round table actually would be, considering there's only two of us. <laughs> yeah, So right. now I can't help but picture us just sitting very close to each other at this giant round yeah, table. Yeah, looking out, imagining what it would be like if we had friends. Yeah. And it's awesome. We posted it on our Twitter. We posted it on uh, – we have an Instagram now. We, we posted it there. We posted it everywhere. So I texted it to everybody I know. Awesome. I posted it on my personal Facebook as well. You should yeah, go was, look at it and, uh, and also be inspired. It was very heartwarming. And like in the, in the, in the picture, you can even see – see, this is why – this is the one shortcoming of, of this medium, Trevor, is like don't you think by now they should have had it sorted out where like whatever – Whatever podcasting app you're listening to this on, we should be able to throw this picture up so that you can see it, you know? That would be cool if you could provide your listeners with some kind of like little updates like that. But we yeah. can't because it's, a, it's just audio. But anyway, go look at it. It's awesome. It, the band is sort of like, since we're in a booth, the band is kind of looking at us through the windows, watching us record an episode. We really got to get a Hallelujah Monkeys headquarters together, for real. Right now, my headquarters are less than glamorous. In fact, Trevor, about a week ago in this in this room, which is... I guess we'll call it Hallelujah Monkeys South Headquarters. Okay, I'm West. Uh, I, I picked up a pile of laundry that had been sitting there for too long, and underneath it I found a dead frog who had made his way into this room and selected my, uh, my dirty pants as a place to say goodbye to the world. And I've got moths, you've got frogs, it's like the seven plagues up in here. <laughs> it's true. Well, speaking of the Bible... Isn't really a segue that works for what I'm about to say, but would you like to get up on the news? Yeah, let's uh, talk about that good news. Yeah, you made it work. Possibly the biggest story in Gorillas this week is that... Uh, there weren't a lot, right? That's not just me. Like, I didn't sleep on stuff. It didn't seem like it was a very heavy news Oh, week. it's a little slower. It's a little yeah. slower. We're in, we're in, like, a post-release moment. I mean, I think everything's going well. To that point, I've even kept one of our news stories this week a secret from you. I know. I saw that on our little Google Doc, and I'm really, really excited to see what that's going to be. I'm on pins I and think you should be here. excited, but you should also maybe be even a little bit scared. Okay. Uh, I do really, really, really quickly, I just want to touch on sales. The only figure to update with everything we said was going to happen last week did happen. But the only figure I want to update you on is that week one sales of, of humans in the United States have now beaten week one sales of uh, Plastic Beach in the United States, which is great. We expected that it would, but still, we're happy that it did. Yeah, kind of a low bar to clear, but... Yeah, hey. but, you know, even then, you have to think that, that the record industry is certainly no healthier than it was in 2011, and so... Yeah, it's only gotten worse, that's true. Ringing that bell and then some is good, you know? Mm-hmm. Probably the big story of the week was that was a full version of the Channel 4 interview with Jamie and Damon has come out. So he here, the, here's the headline. The headline is that Jamie Hewlett and Damon started to tease details about the next Gorillaz album in this interview. Which is pretty crazy, right? Judging by, you know, their historical release patterns. Like, we waited seven years between Plastic Beach and uh, Humans, and now we're already talking about getting another one when the album hasn't even been out for a month yet. I know. It's really crazy. Now, here's, yeah. the, here's the quote. I'm going to read you the full quote, and then we're just going to try quote. to we'll unpack it, all right? All right. This is Jamie Hewlett. He goes... We're already talking about the next album, so there might not be a gap this time. It starts with one idea that's the basis for the whole album, and we had that idea the other night, so we have to get started on the next one. And that really checks out, too, that whole one idea that's the basis for the whole album, because that is pretty much a good sum up of 
the proper four gorillas albums so far. yeah the first one the idea of course is the idea of an animated band and then the, yeah, taking down the whole manufactured pop stuff. yeah the second one is this whole idea of, a, of sort of a, a vision of the end of the world and and uh, a journey through the night into the day of the demon days or whatever and then you had a uh, plastic beach with its whole environmental theme that whole right kind of... and humans the party at the end of the world Yep. So I, I'd be curious to see what, what exactly is on their minds that they're already excited about exploring with the new Gorillaz album. What's next, boys? But even if this is, you know, obviously this isn't a solid piece of news because they haven't started working yet. But what it does tell you solidly is that at least at this point, these two boys are not sick of Gorillaz yet. You know? Or each other. Or each other. And then the second story, while not strictly Gorillaz news, Trevor... Now, this is more Hallelujah Monkeys news. Yes, is, uh, well, let me, I'll catch it this way. Uh, we get a lot of, a lot of people reach out to the show who listen, right, Trevor? Always appreciate hearing from you we guys. We always love it. And, and there, the one question we probably get more than any is, can I come on your show? <laughs> it's, so, a lot of them don't even uh, phrase it as a question, though. It's, uh, <laughs> That's true. Hi, I'd like to be on your show. Yeah, here's why you should have me on your yeah. show. <laughs> but, we do actually need a little bit of listener help for this episode we got coming up next week. Mm-hmm. We do, because it's going to be um, about an album that both of us are honestly still kind of, I think, falling towards one side on. We're going to review The Fall next week. We should just say that now, right? Yes, The Fall, the fall next is week. next week. The controversial and divisive, in heavy quotation marks, fourth Gorillaz album, The Fall, uh, will be the, the topic of next week's episode. And it's it's obviously the album you and I have the least experience with, right? I think that's very. Oh, sad. absolutely. Have you started going back to explore yet in preparation for next week's episode, or are you kind of waiting till this week to do it? I've been listening to the fall every now and then. I think since we started this show, okay, just to kind of see if if I could understand it and appreciate it and get more context to it. I think I am learning a lot about the album, but the, but the reason we want to hear from you guys is if you get, I'm going to say. 25 Gorillaz fans in a room and you ask them to list their five or list their albums in, in, in order of favorite to least favorite, you're going to have at least one person in that room who says that the fall is their favorite or second favorite Gorillaz album. We've heard from one or two already, right? Yes. Some people have already reached out to us uh, calling it their favorite. And, and uh, while I won't, I won't spoil what we're going to say about that album next week. I will say that if you are one of those people, you're probably not going to be hearing your feelings about that album reflected back to you. Yeah, there's not going to be a lot of positive fall representation, I don't think. So that's why... Or at least not at to... least not fanatical, you know? Yes, yes, at least not enthusiastic. And so, but we want to hear that perspective because it's an interesting perspective. And, and I think that uh, if The Fall is your favorite or second favorite Gorillaz album... We would love for you to record yourself, you know, just use your phone on your voice memo app or whatever, or if you've got a microphone, then, then do that too. Just record, you know, one to say three minutes of yourself describing why the fall is so important to you, maybe highlighting some of the songs that, are, that really stand out to you on it. If you want, even pick, pick three adjectives that describe the fall to you, uh, and we'll, kind of, we'll, we'll do something with that audio. Either we'll make a big edit piece out of it, or we'll drop it in here and there as we're talking about the album, because we just kind of want the people who love this album, we want them to have a voice uh, in this episode. So yeah, if you if you uh, want to get involved and, and hear yourself and your love of the fall represented on, on next week's episode, then just record that file and then email it to uh, hallelujahmonkeys at gmail.com. And uh, we want to hear from you. We want to we want to let the the other listeners hear from you because the fall is a it's a an, an underappreciated it's it's sort of a redheaded stepchild in the in the catalog and. Uh, yeah, we're opening up the floor, so send on those fall opinions. Also, let us know what you think about Marky e. Smith's band, if you want. <laughs> yeah, if you're also a fan of, of that band, The Fall, then then I guess we also want to hear from you. Please try to keep the racial epithets to a minimum. Please, yes. Are you ready for the surprise news story? Let me have it. Okay. This week, uh, you know, I, some people ask, who's the fifth gorilla, you know? Some people think it was that monkey that we saw in phase one and two. Um, I believe that the fifth gorilla is Red Bull. And <laughs> this week, Trevor. Oh, no. Oh, no. This week, Red Bull decided to bestow a gift on the fandom and put up a How Well Do You Know Gorillas quiz. Okay. And I got to tell you right now, it's not, it's not 
for dummies. It's it's a true fan kind of quiz. I'm looking this up immediately. No, you're not. No, no, don't look it up. Okay. Don't look it up. All right. Because I'm going to deliver this quiz. I'm going to I'm going to proctor oh, no. this gorilla's exam. Okay. On to you, live on the mic. Now, no pressure, Trevor. And and I, you know, for all you know, I'm I'm bullshitting you here, but no pressure. But I got ten out of ten. So I feel like anything south of a of a nine, you you really got to bone up here. Am I going to get kicked off the podcast if I fail this or anything? Like, no, you won't. But but I think that that you will need to to have a dark night of of the soul. You'll have to go, you know, look at the ocean, think about what it means to be a Gorillaz fan, rededicate yourself to the band, you know? All right. Well, I, I do host a Gorillaz podcast. <laughs> That's so I'm true. feeling pretty good about my, my chances. So uh, let's, let's get into let's it. Let's get into it, Trevor. Test your knowledge below. Question number one. This, we're, this is a softball. We're starting out easy. Okay. Which Gorillaz member has a, in parentheses, late cyborg counterpart? Is it A, Russell, B, 2D, C, Murdoch, or D, Noodle? That's that's a softball, yeah. That's that's D Noodle. Yes, correct. It was Noodle. Question number two. Nailed it. Gorillas replaced which band in the headline spot at Glastonbury 2010? Was it A Blur, B The Foo Fighters, C Oasis, or D U two? I know it's not Blur or Oasis. Right. When was this? 2010. 2010. Trying to remember. This is when Bono had his motorcycle accident. No, I'm going to say Foo Fighters, because that one, Dave Grohl broke his leg. I'm sorry, you, it's God you too. You should have gone with your gut. Ugh. That's tough, man. That's tough, man. You're clinging by the, the skin of your teeth now. Got to pick this up. All right. This is not an easy one. This is the, this is a, here comes another lore question. Okay. What sea creature is 2D afraid of? Whales. Oh, snap. Sea whales. Yeah. Final answer. Correct. Yeah. He was uh, he was swallowed. One, of course, he was he was swallowed by massive dick, the whale, uh, as outlined in the book of Two D, leading up to this uh, phase. The book of TD, of course, is a, is a literary classic. Mm. Question number four, Trevor: What is Stylo? Is it a superhero, a robot, a spaceship, or a car? Is it a car? Yeah, it's a 1969 Chevrolet Camaro. We're, you're, you're doing okay, okay? Climb back up. Question five. What was Gorilla's first and today only UK number one? Was it Dare, Feel Good Inc., Dirty Harry, or Saturn's Bars? I think we just talked about it. It's Dare, right? It is Dare. And, uh, and a little bit of trivia from Red Bull. The track featured Sean Ryder of Madchester Indie Dance Act Happy Mondays. It did. Yeah, that's, that, that checks out. <laughs> Thanks, Red Bull. Yeah. Uh, question six. This is a good one. This will test your, your, your phase two memories. Which filmmaker slash animator was due to work with Gorillaz on the long-rumored movie Celebrity Harvest? Oh, was it A, Seth MacFarlane, B, Trey Parker, C, Matt Groening, or D, Terry Gilliam? Oh, Terry Gilliam. Yeah, boy! You remember that? That would have been so cool. And Terry Gilliam was such an influence to Jamie Style in phase two. Oh, clearly. And the, and the Pythons are all over their writing style as well. Absolutely. And you remember, like, the Rocket video and the little promo clip for people had the, had the Gilliam cutout heads in it and stuff? Yeah, the little heads, yeah. Question number seven, Trevor. Who is the odd one out of the following four divas? A, Morrissey. B, Sade. C, Grace Jones. Or D, Dionne Warwick. This is a tough one. It's Grace Jones, though, right? Ta-da! It is Grace Jones. Are the other three all people who turned down uh, working with the project? Yes. Still would have loved that Morrissey collapse. So I know, much. I know. This one, I think, threw some people off because the odd one out, Morrissey's the only male on this list. So I think a lot right. of people... But it's not, it's, not a, it's not a quiz about gender. It's a quiz about no. gorillas. No. Trevor, question number eight. Half of which classic punk group have performed in the Gorillaz live band? The Clash. Of course. We don't even need yeah. to read them. Yeah. But wouldn't it have sucked if the answer had been the Buzzcocks? <laughs> uh, question number nine. Damon Albarn used what to write 2010's The Fall? Was it a vintage Nev console, a mandolin, a PlayStation 2, or an iPad? As much as I would have loved a Gorillaz album composed on nothing but a mandolin and a PlayStation 2, <laughs> it's obviously an iPad. You know what? If there's going to be a Fall 2 during the Humans Tour... Maybe we should try to slip a little note under, under Damon's door. You know, the mandolin PlayStation 2 sound is hot right now. 
Yeah, well, I'll bring my old PS2 to the uh, forum and see if we could just chuck it on stage while they're playing, like, uh, Saturn's Bars or something. And finally, Trevor, question 10. Bring it on. What does 2D stand for? Is it two Daves, two Dogs, two Dimensions, or two Dents? Two Dents, because he's got two Dents in his head. Yeah, but what's funny is the picture that they use for that question on this website is the, the version of 2D from the Demon Days album cover. Where he actually does kind of have eyes. <laughs> Where he has eyes, yeah. <laughs> Do we have a canonical explanation for that? Uh, I don't know if it's ever been discussed in canon, but I, if, it, if it ever was, I'd love it to happen in this phase because the writing's been so great. I heard, I heard somebody kick around the theory that he had prosthetic eyes for that photo shoot just to make him look better. Oh, yeah, I like that idea. That's good. Yeah. Anyway, that was what, 9 out of 10? 9 out of 10. Of course I'd be fucking screwed by you two. According to Dave Grohl, too. <laughs> Throw all of them out. 9 out of 10. So according to the fifth Gorilla Red Bull, you are a Gorilla Superfan. So rest easy. Rest easy. Nice. But I thought that was impressive. Like That was pretty deep. Yeah. yeah like, they weren't fucking around with that little quiz. No. Trevor, that's, it's, as we mentioned, it's, a, it's been a light news week. Are you ready to get into the roundtable? Yeah, let's talk about D-Sides. discussing the 2007 b-sides and extras compilation record d-sides uh trevor ickrath you were firmly a gorillas nerd by the time this album was released yes correct? and this is like a feast for gorillas nerds like whereas g-sides kind of feels thrown together i've like gone through periods of my time as a gorillas fan where i would say that d-sides is maybe the strongest collection of the band songs Probably in like phase three, where I was a little over Demon Days and all that stuff, I would have called this album my favorite Gorillaz release. I think it's uh, it, it partners really well with the self-titled. I feel like it's 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 digestible uh, in a way that that maybe Plastic Beach with its sort of unwieldy over not overlong but packed maximalist approach, or Demon Days with its very narrative focused uh, arc approach, uh, or Humans, which is a mix of the, those two things. <laughs> aren't aren't quite the same thing you know it's such a good supplemental release to demon days too though because like you said this one's a little more unstructured it doesn't rely on that narrative so it ends up it ends up giving us like a different perspective into those sessions i think which is really cool and i there you know obviously if this is the the chaff that was separated from the wheat i think it's it's proof that this was an industrious and sort of magical time in the mind of damon albarn yeah he was really just firing on all cylinders at this point you know one of the main one of the main differences that i noticed this week having just spent a week with g sides and now spent a week with d sides is that a lot of these songs are structurally uh, a lot more fleshed out and lyrically a lot more scratch and temporary and I wonder if that's because what we're what we're witnessing is a, is a gear shift in Damon's process. Now, in between the self-titled and Demon Days, Trevor, Damon became sober. I didn't know that. Well, at least from from cocaine. Interesting. I think he probably still smoked a bit of weed here and there. Probably. And I wonder. And you know, he's famously kind of like Nick Cave, one of these musicians who who more or less keeps office hours. Like he. He he treats songwriting and music like it's a like it's a nine to five job. Yeah, and I think that that you do see that reflected in the in the the work that went into these side cuts, these things that were that were discarded. Um, but I'd love to I'd love to do our our traditional thing and get into our adjectives for for this album, Trevor. Yeah, let's get to it. Uh, you want me to hit you with mine first? Yeah, let's hear yours first. All right, two of mine are kind of similar, but I think they mean different things. I've got spooky, nice, haunted, and personal. Okay, I need I need you to get on the on the record about the difference between spooky and haunted in terms of what it means to the album D sides. All right, so spooky and haunted kind of seem like two words that are pretty tied together, right? Sure, they mean similar things. I think haunted actually goes more with personal, though. Spooky, I think, kind of more describes the general sound and atmosphere of this record, right? It's like uh, you know, Demon Days kind of takes place during a long dark night into the soul. And these kind of sound like the haunted memories that are being explored through that time. Yeah, it's like mo monsters are spooky and people are haunted, you know? Right, and that's why I say haunted goes along with personal. Because whereas Demon Days, I think, is a collection of songs about what it's like to be alive during a time where it seems like the world's ending, 
uh, you know, that one feels like a big universal statement meant to take a look at things on like a larger, more societal scale. Uh, D-Sides, meanwhile, I think feels more like a personal diary kept by someone living during those times. There's a lot more I pronouns and less we on this album, I think, than on Demon Days. I think that's all pretty astute. And I think you're going to find that there are some parallels in our words this week. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you mine. I think you'll note that, that word one and two almost maybe seem contradictory. But okay. I think that... You like to do that, I think. I think that this album represents both of these things. Gotcha. Okay, my words are flashy atmospheric and stirring okay interesting how about why don't, why don't you walk me through flashy's real flashy real quick because i don't really get that here absolutely so flashy is more comparing these songs to what we have on demon days i feel like you know we talked a lot about how reined in emotionally demon days was um, right muted muted and it almost seems like some of these songs are like at the end of the day after writing a song like last living soul you're gonna fucking rip into a song like a we are the happy landfill or uh or even the the kind of more overt emotional delivery on on songs like you know i think highway under Constru- highway under construction is so heartbreaking and and hong kong is, is sort of kind of much more forward in its emotional language just in terms of the damon performance and then songs like you know that that don't get lost in heaven demo is a perfect example too of of uh, of the kind of showman damon that is that is maybe less present on demon days but on the same hand these songs are super atmospheric there's like mm-hmm. a real even even more so than on on the demon day songs there's they play a lot with with samples and and synth noises that are textural you know right yeah have you ever heard that there was some Damon quote that he was using a lot in the phase two lead up where he was describing demon days as like this this night yeah i think we just touched on that yeah i almost feel like with a few move arounds with a couple of swaps d sides almost feels more like a, a a late night album to me than demon days does it's interesting you say that because you know uh you're aware of my like uh track listing idiosyncrasies and stuff like that i do have a resequenced version of decides as well to make it flow a little more like an actual album i think i think i've seen this one before and, and we'll we'll get into this uh this track list like we did last week at the end of it we'll hear yours but i think i might i might be a little bit combative with you this week i think i have some, some disagreements but we'll see okay we'll interesting see. well i i kind of disagree with your whole flashy thing because i think demon days is a very flashy album sure damon's performance is a little more muted but it's really him pulling out all of his tricks right down to the uh you know, gospel choir at the end. The gospel choir is definitely yeah. flashy. Perhaps I'm just talking more about Damon's performance yeah. than anything. Yeah. Also, what the hell's up with 2007? I don't remember it taking two years for this album to come out. This one was worth the wait, though, because I remember uh, when I was still hoping we were going to get this, I was expecting it to more be just like kind of like a slight G-Sides release. Some songs, for example, that I wasn't expecting to get on here. Uh, we Are Happy Landfill, The Swagga, Hong Kong. I wasn't really expecting... Rocket, Rocket is, to be here. is kind of a, a surprising choice, too. Really? Like, not just B-sides, but, like, really all of the non-album material. I thought that was really cool. I know the fan base really appreciated it as well. I think with, with one, in my opinion, glaring omission. But, yeah, it's hard to argue with the quality of this release and the comprehensiveness mm-hmm. of this release. Mm-hmm. What's that uh, glaring o- omission? Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, let's talk about it, because I think Mr. Softy's Balloon Race is... is... Uh, you and fucking Mr. Softy's Balloon Race... I think it's one of the the most beautiful Damon Albarn vocal performances on on tape. I think it's uh, it's a good song, but it just I really do not think it got there at the end. You know what I mean? Oh boy, I, I there's there's a couple of songs on this album I would have gladly thrown out uh, to to in exchange for uh, for Mr. Softies. And you know what? I sometimes uh, encounter younger Gorillaz fans who've never heard it. So of course, yeah. If you've never heard Mr. Softies' Balloon Race, it's definitely on YouTube. You should go check it out. Uh, but for now, yeah, let's talk about the tracks that we do have, starting with '68 State. Yes, uh, Trevor, this song was originally released on the UK 7-inch of Feel Good Inc., uh, and then later it came out as a Japanese bonus track for Demon Days. Um, Right, for a while though, I remember all we really had of this one was a wobbly-sounding vinyl rip. It was a terrible rip, and it, and yeah. it really undersold the song to me. Like, uh, so, so when that Japanese uh, bonus track digital version came out, it was a real revelation. Yeah, this is a really cool song too, especially for such like a little slight instrumental. Here's what. Here's one interesting piece of, of information that I dug up this week about this song. So, the mastering engineer of D Sides Trevor was a guy named Jeff Pesh. Okay. 
If you're, oh, you might not know if you're listening exactly what mastering is, but mastering is is when a an engineer after the album is recorded and, and locked takes all of the songs, uses a very expensive type of, of hardware and software combination to boost the volume of it, to make sure all of the songs kind of sound equal and even with each other, and it's a very it takes a, a finesse to do properly. So Jeff Pash mastered D-Sides, and then a guy named Howie Weinberg mastered Demon Days. This is the only song where both of them have mastering engineer credits. Interesting. So I don't know what exactly what that means, but I will say that Howie Weinberg is a fucking expensive dude. He's one of the best in the business. Like, everybody from Herbie Hancock to Cheryl Crow has worked with that dude. I can't imagine that he would have been brought on to... A Demon Days release to do this, so I wonder, was there potentially a time when 68 State was being thought of as like a bonus track or maybe even an intro of Demon Days? Would have been weird, right? I can't see how this song would have fit on there. I was trying to imagine it, and I couldn't either, but I, yeah. I would love to know the story behind why that dude worked on this song. That'd be really interesting. It does serve as a cool intro for D-Sides, though. Like I said, I like this song a lot. Know what it really make, It sounds like to me? It sounds like Sonic the Hedgehog music. Oh, that's awesome. I can see that. Yeah, it sounds like the soundtrack for like an old like Sega Genesis Sonic game where you're like running through some kind of industrial area. I don't disagree with that. The one that I wrote down was it sounded like the, the theme song for a, a lost uh, 1960s, 1970s cop show. Oh, yes, that's true. Yeah, that's really good. You know, I think both of those, are, if, you, if, if you've never heard 68 State, you don't need to now because you've heard our description of it. Or a 60s cop show starring Sonic the Hedgehog. Oh, boy. Come on, fan artists. Please. <laughs> Do you think that if we Googled, like, Murdoch the Hedgehog, we would see something really terrifying? I don't want to know. That's a fun game for our listeners at home. Google Your Name the Hedgehog. Oh, yeah. It's out there. And you'll see. You'll see. Probably not on your work computer. Yeah, maybe not. There might be some questionable content. Unless your safe search settings are real airtight, maybe not while you're at work. Again, this 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 song is atmospheric as fuck, dude. You know when, when they're shooting at night uh, on TV sets and movies, they, they wet the street down so that it looks kind of shiny in the light? This looks like the set of one of those night road shoots to me. This It's what it sounds like to me. You know, it's like I can kinda, feel that, yeah. Kind of murky and misty, uh, but it's got this kind of badass you know, speed feeling to it cool little track and and right up there uh with the with the great gorillas instrumentals of our of our time that's something i wanted to ask you what, what's your favorite gorillas instrumental well you know what if double bass counts i think it's double bass um, i think double bass counts that'd be my answer too i mean samba at 13 gives it a run for its money <laughs> but we'll talk about that either later or in another episode we got I'm some not... pretty good gorillas instrumentals to talk about next week on the fall but we'll we do get... yeah we do next track though people which yeah, is let's talk about people the original uh dare demo Yes, and in fact, it was originally issued uh, on Dare, the single, as a B-side on the UK DVD, the UK digital EP, and the US digital EP versions of it. This is this is a good example, Trevor, of, of what I was talking about at the top of this. I think this is a great example of a song that feels structurally very fleshed out and lyrically mm-hmm. very first drafty, you know? Right. I think we can both agree that this one's uh, not as good as Dare right no but what a what an interesting document you know yeah so what do you think about this one i think it's a pretty 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 good little song for what it is honestly sometimes i like the melody and the verses here better than what's going on on dare i think that much in the way that d size is easier to digest than than demon days i think people maybe goes down a little easier than dare because dare is kind of so thumping and so sensory overload yeah overloaded yeah and whereas this one's kind of just like a cute little track i do love in the verses, Damon uses this real weird vocal delivery that I really like. It's, it sort of sounds like his voice is about to crack, but never does, you know? I, I love him on this track. I love I love the whole thing. Like, I love everything about his, like, little melodies, too. Like, um, that last line he always ends on, I know it, I got it, but I know that time will set me to get like, it's Yeah, it's awesome. And it's cool to hear the elements that were already in place. Like, I love how that warbling, uh, oh, yeah. was already there. Um, mm-hmm. I also always love that little, in that line you just mentioned, that little chord change that's in people but isn't in dare, you know? Yes. Uh-huh. 
I wonder if this is because remember we referenced that VH1 listen along interview last week from Phase Two, uh, and at the end of it, Damon asked Danger Mouse, "What do you think?" Uh, or Danger Mouse says, "What do you think I'd say if if you played me this song when they played him Ghost Train?" And he says, mm-hmm. "I think he'd say go rewrite it, and you'd be right." I wonder if he was basing that on anything, and I wonder if this was a song that he brought to to Danger Mouse, and Danger Mouse was like, "Try it like this," and we ended up with there. Possibly, yeah. Let's talk about the first like. It kind of feels like the first proper B-side on this record, Hong Kongaton. Yeah, uh, Hong Kongaton, Trevor, uh, was a B-side for the Dirty Harry single release on the UK, European, Australian, and Japanese CD version. And you can also get it in the US as a digital EP. Yeah, I remember having the Dirty Harry cover art in my iTunes library for this one because I thought it was really cool. That kind of like full metal jacket helmet. Yeah, I love the the single art uh, for Dirty Harry. In fact, you can see Jamie making that single art in the movie Bananas. Nice, yeah, cool. Uh, I believe it's in a scene where he calls uh, the enemy some some bad words. <laughs> Hong Kongaton, though, this is a really neat little track. Now, we, we mentioned this, I think, in the first episode, but there is one very special credit in this song, Trevor. Do you know what that is? Yeah, I... I think this is the only performing credit Jamie Hewlett has on a Gorillaz track. Is that right? Is that still well, true? <laughs> technically, he has a performance credit on every Gorillaz song. Uh, right. But that's just so that he can collect royalties on every Gorillaz song. But here, he's he's actually playing something or playing with something. Correct. So it's a toy ray gun. Yeah, he's doing those little ray gun noises. That's Jamie. I really actually think adds a lot to the second half of the song. <laughs> Like, there's a lot of really interesting noises on the song. I love how... So Speaking I feel like, of interesting noises, who do you think is doing the slurping sounds at the beginning? I'd like to think it was Jamie Hewlett. I like to think it was uh, Damon and Jamie. Like, kind of trading off, doing some... Just both sharing a mic, you know, like Beatles style. Do you think that this is a hard a hard gorilla song for fans who have misophonia, who can't stand, like, eating and smacking noises? There is definitely an AMSR quality to it. <laughs> or like a reverse AMS, AMSR. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> Makes, I'm usually not a fan of mouth noises, so like I'm not a big, not really into the intro, but the rest is really cool. It's got this kind of like almost dark polka reggae beat to it. I, I wrote that down. I said it's got a polka oompa, and yet that accent becomes very reggae once the bass kicks in. So it's yeah. like an interplay oh, yeah. between, right? I think that this is, there's, there's definitely a reggae through line on D-sides. That's one of my favorite things about the release, actually. I actually always kind of feel like, you know how in the middle they shout Hong Kongaton? Yes. Uh, and everything kind of breaks out. I always kind of feel like when everything comes back in, the rest of the song just feels like looser and more fun and kind of relaxes, you know? This is just a really underrated one, I think. Like, I know, I, I don't hear people ever talk about this track, but it's it's really such a hidden gem on the release and in their catalog altogether. Trevor Aircraft, uh, we are the happy landfill, aren't we? <laughs> No, we're the Hallelujah Monkeys. (laughs) That's true, sorry. This is one of my favorite songs on the record, though. Probably top three for me. Yeah, this was uh, this was pretty close to my top three. It didn't didn't quite get there. Uh, this song, Trevor, originally was issued as a download that you could get with a CD copy of Demon Days through the Kong Studios website. You had to like do a little puzzle. This is a really great one, though. Like, when do you ever hear Damon sing like this? Never. This is an isolated vocal performance in the Damon Albarn catalog, and I fucking love it. Like, in my like, opinion, like I think you'd, I think maybe if you go back to like Swamp Song from Thirteen, kind of similar, but I think he sounds like he's singing with Rod Stewart. It's rasp and David Bowie's phrasing. There is something very Bowie about it, yeah. Uh, and I think that this song is the closest thing we have in the Gorillaz catalog to a fucking glam rock song. Like, this sounds like glam rock to me. It's a real barn burner. I was inspecting the opening honks of this song, Trevor, mm-hmm. that intro, and I believe I think I know what's playing there. I think it's a trade-off. Okay. I think it's three instruments that are trading off. I think that okay. the, the first honks are, are a car horn synth, like on a Casio. Yeah. I think the second are a harmonica. I definitely hear harmonica. And then the third one, I think, are the very, it's either the very low register of a flute or some other reedless wind instrument. I don't know what that kind of stuff is, but I really love the arrangements for this one. It really sounds like it's actually made from, like, musical garbage. Yes. Like, Damien recorded it using stuff he found in an actual garbage dump. Like, a typewriter is in there, a bike horn, a broken harmonica. Really a unique sound here. And when, like, the beat is behind it, it really is super melodic and really punchy. Here's something kind of weird about the credits on this. So I would say about half of the songs on this album have Danger Mouse producer credits on it, and half of them just have Jason Cox and and, uh, and Dring as the, the producer. Let me guess, this one has no Danger Mouse? No Danger Mouse, which is interesting because it's so fleshed out. I wonder why. I wonder if 
this was late or if this was early. This feels early to me for some reason. Like maybe, yeah, it does perhaps feel a little bit more one phase 1.5. Yeah. But the fact that it's so fleshed out is impressive to me. Like this one got pretty far into the process before they moved on from it, you know? But hey, a lot of the songs on this album feel like they got pretty far into the process, so who knows? Yeah, most of them feel done to me, honestly, especially this next one, although it's not technically a B-side. Hong Kong. Hong Kong. Uh, top three. Top three for Dylan on, on D-sides. This is my number one, honestly. This is a top ten gorillas track for me. I think it's probably my like, number nowhere around that. Probably my number two, but it, it has, I think, my favorite lyric in all of phase two. What's that one? Well, let's first uh, let the like, good people at home know that they first were introduced to this song if they were a fan at the time through the War Child charity compilation album Help A Day in the Life. Right. Which included a really great Radiohead uh, B-side as well. The version that appears on, on War Child is, is different, actually. Not super different. Different in an interesting way. It doesn't have the string uh, accompaniment at the end. There was a separate session, Trevor, to record the string arrangements specifically for the version of Hong Kong that appeared as a bonus track on a uh, deluxe version of Demon Days, the deluxe version of Demon Days, uh, or the Japanese, I can't remember. But it was a, it was a special session just for that string accompaniment, mm -hmm. and that session was the very first time that Damon Albarn worked with Steve Sedgwick, who has now sort of replaced Jason Cox as Damon's go-to engineer. Oh, that's interesting. It is interesting. I never thought the additional strings added that much to the song here but now that i've gotten used to them i can't really imagine the track without them anymore yeah i like the string arrangements i agree that you could probably have done without them but i will say that the overall mix of the version that's on d side is much smoother than the the war child version um right this has always felt like a part of demon days to me just because the themes of demon days are so represented on this you uh, had a you had a little idea that you pitched to me shortly after our demon days episode about using this as kind of a hidden track do you want to talk about that well i've always thought that this song is like the most explicitly talking about the thoughts that were swirling around damon's head after he had that that fabled train ride uh across the sort of ecological wastelands of mainland china um right and I, I thought it would be really cool to do like an alternate version of, of Demon Days where you take White, Life off, White Light off of it because fuck White Light, I like it, mm -hmm. but it should have been on D-Sides. <laughs> and then get through the album as it stands now. And then after Demon Days is over, old school 90s hidden track style, you get like one or two minutes of silence, right? And then I thought it would just be cool if you kind of fade in sort of distant train noises, you know? Uh, chugging and, and track and whistle. That is that is my shit, to be honest. Right, and then and big then fan of field recordings. Start the start the the opening strings of, of Hong Kong underneath it. I think it'd be really dope. I think that'd be that would, really that would cool. Been, that would have been sick. I want to quote my lyric, my favorite lyric in the song, that I also think is is one of the most explicit statements of one of the big themes of Demon Days, and it's late in a star's life, it begins to explode. Uh, and all the people in a dream wait for the machine to pick the shit up. That idea of of the world's ending, but we're just waiting around for the robots that we've built to help us. It's a little bit present on on the song "Don't Get Lost in Heaven," but boy, this is what a what a what a, a, a chilling, goosebumpy uh, stating of that idea in the song. You know, you know, there's that verse uh, that's kind of about you know what did you learn in school today? Is 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 the is the growing superpower of the east going to be a good or a bad thing for us you know mm -hmm. uh i think that that disconnection between the east and the west that seems to be really fascinating to damon is really kind of is almost sort of metaphorically represented i think in the end of the song by the way that the instruments start to fall away from each other and go off and play their own things you know that's a pretty cool interpretation yeah but I think that the song is wonderful i know it's not necessarily the most gorillas e gorillas song which is why I was so surprised to see it get a home here. And I'm so thankful that it's here, though, because I think this is an essential Gorillaz cut. Yeah, I think it's, if anything, it's more of a Demon Day song than a Gorillaz song. But boy, it's, yeah. it's fucking magical. Uh, let's move on to Highway Under Construction. Also top three for me. It's hey, probably like... we're in the hand-holding club of top threes. Nice. Probably my second favorite song on the album. I love this song. I will say I agonized over my top three this week, and it was between this song and, like, two others. This was originally issued, Trevor, as a B-side of Dare on the UK, European, Japanese, and Australian CD singles. Nice little come down after, you know, the dance assault of Dare. Yeah, another another song without a Danger Mouse credit, which I thought was a little surprising just because of some of the the... the 
interesting intrusions of, of instrumental pieces that happened in it that felt kind of danger mousey to me. Right. But I love the, you know, that, that effect that he uses on his voice in this, which is the same effect that he uses on the swagger. Mm-hmm. He has a delay going, but it's like a stereo split delay where it sort of hits your left channel before it hits your right channel, you know? Right. Yeah. Uh, I love that effect. I wish he'd bring it back. It's like his voice sounds awesome in it. I always thought, uh, we brought it up earlier, I always thought his vocals here were very reminiscent of Mr. Softy's balloon race, actually. Yeah, he's he's sort of down in that part of his his uh, register, but boy, the performance is so good. Like, yeah, it's very country western. Uh, the melody of the song. Even yeah, though- I really like the little counting uh, before the second verse too. Just hearing him go one, two, three. Yeah, in the that's great, isn't it? And then it's really got that good. little that little ragtime piano outro, which is awesome. Um, Everything about this song's arrangements, I love. Like the claps, that descending organ, those little beeps, and of course that ragtime piano. That organ solo is so cool too. Yeah, such a weird and, and sparse arrangement, and then all these weird little bells and whistles. You know, Damon's backing vocals. Oh yeah, and the la 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 is the backing. Vocals. I love the way the backing vocals and the hand claps go together. It almost sounds like Damon is singing with a small little group of himself. And just because of that opening lyric, uh, I, this song just always kind of makes me think about nostalgia and the nostalgic, you know, the people who who always seem to be building that highway back to the, the heart of things. Mm-hmm. There's a beautiful, low-key, heartbreaking feeling to the song that I really love. Yeah. Trevor, Rocket. Rocket. Uh, the first Phase 2 song. Yes, and what an important moment this was. Because it, coming at it from my perspective, Trevor, the fact that there was going to be new gorillas radically recontextualized the self-titled. Like, music journalists and maybe the world at large had kind of dismissed Gorillaz as being this kind of weird, one-off Damon Albarn vanity project, you know? Right, which, you know, I I, pro- I might have done the same. Maybe, maybe, yeah. I mean, I was young, so it seemed pretty legit to me, but the idea is like, oh, you remember the guy from Blur? Well, he's working with these cartoons now. The fact that Rocket existed was like shit well now we got to think about this thing all different you know like he's coming back to do this again then it then it it must really mean something and because of its its significance in the in the history of the band this song is kind of criticism proof to me in a way it's very hard for me to listen to the song and not just be overwhelmed by the nostalgia that i feel of that time you know specifically of that day that uh, that I learned that there was going to be a second Gorillaz album when this song came out, you know? Yeah, I mean, I wasn't on board by that time, so I can't really speak to that. But I can definitely see how this would be a big moment in the uh, in a Gorillaz fan's experience with the band. Plus, Trevor, I fucking love the Macarena, and I love that this has the same intro. <laughs> it does sound very similar to the Macarena. One of my something that really made me appreciate this song a little more is uh, the sequence in Bananas, where you actually get to see Damon go into like a little almost like a makeshift studio from what I understand like late at night and kind of record this song in its entirety and he's being like a little he's being a little mischievous yeah it's like it's almost like a secret little recording session like forgive me for saying this but there's almost a bit of like a gorilla approach to it sure I'll excuse the pun yeah yeah but he's like he's really chewing up the scenery for lack of a better word he's sort of like you know walking the room with his little mic you know getting up in people's faces as he as he delivers the lyrics just to kind of get the right attitude you know and i think yeah. that there is a real punk rock attitude to the song like i've always kind of read the lyric as sort of an indictment of people who take their lyrics too seriously interesting he's making fun of the concept of writing a lyric you know especially because gorilla's lyrics are so like stream of id kind of consciousness stuff yeah i'm walking to the something you know yeah like, there's just something about it that's sort of like, ah, fuck you and your poetry kind of a thing. Uh, that or I, maybe that we're I really wrong like. and he just needed to rush it out. I love that. My favorite part of this song is that really glitchy outro synth solo. Oh, yeah, the synth solo at the end. Perfect. Fucking dope. Apparently there's a version of this um, without that solo. Oh, yeah. What's that from? I can't... Shit. I should have looked this up. There were two uh, versions of the video on, on Kong Studios back at the beginning of Phase 2. There was one that ran on, like, QuickTime... And one that ran on Flash or something. Oh, God, yeah. And, like, the QuickTime one didn't have the Sin Solo, and the Flash one did. I don't think I've ever heard the QuickTime one. I have I have memories of, like, there's one moment in the video where one of those, like, Terry Gilliam cutout faces flies at the camera and becomes transparent, and it would grind my computer to a halt on the Flash <laughs> version because my computer sucks so bad and because yeah. Flash sucks so bad. 2005-hour internet. Yeah, I should have. I, I can't. I totally forgot about that. But that's a shame because that synth, that synth solo is dope, rocking dance music for the depressed. You know. Let's move on to Bill Murray. 
Bill Murray, this is a pretty cool little one. Definitely feels like a throwback to Phase One. Oh yeah, this is like number two of the big reggae moments on this record. Uh, yes. Did you? I sent you a link today, Trevor, to the making of the song. Did you happen to get a chance to watch that? I did. That was pretty cool. Really? I, I hadn't seen it before. Yeah. So I guess in the supplemental features of Bananas, the documentary, they just put up kind of like a little mini documentary of mise-en-scene style of uh, of the session that the Bees, the band the Bees that is the featured artist on this track, did with Gorillaz making the song. And it's really fun. There's a cool atmosphere. You get to see the Bees doing the backing vocals, which I don't know if that take is on the song or not. I can't tell. Right. Now, we should say the Bees. Uh, I'm pretty sure they were originally supposed to be the house band for Demon Days. Did, have you heard that? I've heard that before, and I kind of tried my best to look around for what interview that was sourced in and couldn't. Maybe it's lost in the annals of the Wayback Machine, but... Yeah, who knows? It did seem like they were they had pretty good chemistry with Damon. Yeah. And, you know, there seemed to be a lot of laughs. One of my favorite moments in that is when, uh, I think it's Jason Cox... Uh, is holding up his cell phone to the studio monitor, and he and he looks at the camera and he says, "I'm playing it for Remy," and it, <laughs> it's just so awesome to think that like now Gorilla's producer Remy Kabaka is on the other line hearing hearing uh, Bill Murray for the first time. That is pretty sick. And I will I will sadly admit to our listeners that I my 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 de- declaration that Dracula was the only Gorilla song with a saxophone on it turned out to be premature. Because I had fact, no idea why you even wanted to climb that hill in the first place, to be honest. Because it's important, Trevor. It's important to know when there are and are not saxophones on Gorilla songs. <laughs> It's like, did you know that? Did you know that the Swagger though is the actually the only instance of Damon using this one specific drum machine? No, I didn't know that. The Swagger? I'm just giving you shit, dude. Fuck! I was totally hook, line, and sinker. Anyway, Bill Murray though. This is a cool track. Do you think it's called Bill Murray because the um, lyrics are so evocative of his film Lost in Translation? <laughs> no, I I never thought of that. <laughs> I mean, I guess that makes sense. The only the only reason why I could say it'd be called Bill Murray. I don't know, but like I said, I really do like how this one is a uh, throwback to their dub roots. Like I feel like this one could have almost been born out of like an extended jam session on Slow Country or something. I think you could make a cool little medley between those two. It'd be nice to see them do something like that live. My my opinion of this B-side has really improved over the years. I think when it came out, I was a little hard on it because it, it, it came out on all the same formats of Spitting Out the Demons. And so I really saw it as like a companion song to Spitting Out. And I thought, nah, not as good. Not as good as this one. Yeah, but I wanted to bring that up when we talked about Spitting Out the Demons. They are really sister tracks. They are sister tracks. But I think that, that the way that it's sequenced on D-sides helps Bill Murray. at least to stand apart and kind of be judged by its own merits. There is kind of like a synth, I believe it's a synth, like either Shaker or Maraca uh, that's used on this track that I think is like a little too hot in the mix. It always kind of takes me out of the song and sounds a little too like ah, buzzing. It irritates my ears a little bit. But for the most part, I think this is pretty dope and uh, a great bass line, obviously, too. Yeah, just really good bass lines all over this uh, album. So the next track, The Swagga, another one that I was pretty surprised to see wind up on this one, because like We Are Happy Landfill, I think you actually had to buy the deluxe version of Demon Days to listen to this one on their website, or it was on... This was on on the bonus DVD. On the bonus DVD, right. It had that little kind of animatic that went with it, where the little blinking dots would spell out the swagga. This song, when it came out, Trevor, I was fucking obsessed with. This one rounds out my top three. It, uh, it's so close. I agonized, dude. It was so close. Mm-hmm. There's a, I'll, I'll tell you why it didn't quite get there for me. But first, I'll, I'll sing its praises. I think that even though most of the lyrics on this track are very clearly temp, the lyric, every four o'clock in the morning, I think I'm gonna die, is the Gorillaz lyric that I most identify with. It is like the best Gorillaz <laughs> lyric, okay? And this is this is pretty much the only reason why I had that personal uh, adjective up there at the top. Yeah. I think the relatively smaller like scale of the arrangements here really serve uh, that whole personal interpretation as well. Like, all you've really got is that plinky little synth line, and then there's uh, some guitars and a heavier beat that comes in a little later, which is a great moment by the way. Yeah, you know, I've always actually thought that if you just took this uh, this melody and dumped that synth arrangement and put, like, some fucking late 90s power chords behind it, this would be such a power pop song. Like, the, the melody is so power poppy. Uh, I kind of feel that, yeah. But but that lyric, the one that we brought up, like, is there a more relatable lyric in the, in the entire David Alvarn catalog? Like, how many times have you found yourself up way later than you should be for no good reason and thinking about dying. Yeah. Uh, Real anxiety hours. There's just something about this track that 
screams anxiety to me. The only the only thing that that keeps it out of my top three, Trevor, are the rest of the lyrics are very very tempy. The the arrangement, I think, while cool, I wish that a little bit more time had been spent. You know. Putting some of those those maybe those highway uh, textures and, and things in there, I wouldn't have minded a little bit fuller on the arrangement. It is very sparse. The whole outro, the woo or outro, we all go woo, I just go woo. That that probably would not have survived, I imagine, in a world where this track was worked on a bit longer. Oh, I, I love the woos. I like the woos that start it, but I don't like the outro woos. But but man, I, this is a special special gorilla song, and I really fucking love it. Mm-hmm. Next up, we've got... What do we got up next? We got... Uh, is uh, Murdoch is God. Not my favorite on the record. Why? It was an issue on the Japanese CD single release of Feel Good Inc., so it was good enough to give to the Japanese. Do you think, like, canonically, Murdoch really pushed very hard to get it onto the B-side of Feel Good Inc.? Probably. Do you remember back in the Phase 2 stuff, they were talking about Murdoch's metal band? Yes. So this always, of course, read to me as, as a song from Murdoch's metal band. But I've always wondered, out of universe, why does this song exist? Damon seemed, in Phase 2, probably more than any other phase, the most willing to dismiss yeah. the, the, the fictional band side of, of the project. What possessed him to jump into the studio and record this song? Like, I have, okay, I have two theories. One of the theories is that this was recorded specifically for an abandoned project, mm-hmm. like a gorilla's movie or a short film to promote something, and you would have had, like, cut to a moment of, of in animation of, of Murdoch's Metal Man. That's, that's the leading theory. Right. Yeah, I can definitely see that being the logic behind it go with me on my follow-up theory (laughs) my follow-up theory is that david and jamie had an argument in the middle of phase two where jamie like some gorillas fans at the time said this doesn't sound like gorillas this just sounds like damon albarn why doesn't it sound like the band and he goes oh you want it you want a cartoon song you want a fucking cartoon song and then (laughs) he went into the studio and recorded this that's my other theory so you're you're aware that the the going theory is that this is an, an embryonic version of at least part of O Green World. Yeah, I can definitely see that that like heavy kind of guitar thing. This song is awful, uh, but <laughs> I know a lot of people love it. I'm sorry, but I think it really sucks. It's got, it's got its moments. You can really improve your experience with this if you just sing the 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 O's from O Green World over it. Mm-hmm. If you just go, oh, to the over Rodaka's God. Yeah, it works pretty well. It becomes a lot more fun. I've always thought that if you kind of, if you took this and one other song off of the, of the sides, it would feel more like an album. We'll talk about that pretty soon. We're getting to it. I understand, of course, that it's our projections that make D sides an album and that it is a compilation. And I suppose in a, in a world where it's a compilation, it's better that we have a uh, Murdoch is God than not have it. Yeah, totally. It All, the more girls content that's in the world, the better I say, let's talk about spitting out the demons. Let's talk about it. Cause this is uh, pretty close to my top three. doesn't quite get there, but it is a really cool little song. This is my favorite song on D side. Nice. And I think it might just be my favorite B side of any band. <laughs> really? I fucking love this song, man. It's a cool one, yeah. This was uh, originally released across most editions of Feel Good Inc. You can even hear a really special version of this song if you if you picked up the very rare Damon Albarn solo live album, uh, Live at the DD Dur or DDD Dur. Yeah, some uh, recording of uh, his big uh, live show at the Royal Albert Hall, right? With his backing band, The Heavy Seas, all of whom are now in the Humans live band. Yeah, kind of a proto Humans Gorillas concert. And they played Spitting Out the Demons. They opened the show with Spitting Out the Demons. How cool is that? So cool. I mean, the coolest. You're, you're not going to get that shit at a Gorillaz concert. This song is so badass, dude. It Not only does it have one of the best bass lines in the history of Gorillaz, it has three of the best bass lines in the history yeah. of Gorillaz. Like, this song's fucking jammed, The guitar man. is really good. That whole uh, intro is really neat as well. I love the I love how the the harmony on the spitting out the demons lyric is so it's so referential of I shot the sheriff you know yeah totally it's that real Bob Marley type uh, harmony I love Damon's little background vocals too so the good times oh yeah you know I mean like I love Dracula and Starshine and Like a Come Home but to me this is like this is the best reggae moment in the Gorillas catalog for me I fucking this song jams yeah man. I think I, I can get behind that it. too it's a really good one. It also has really good atmosphere. Like, there's some cool samples and, and 
weird noises that are creeping in in the stereo channels here. Uh, also, what was up with Damon's obsession with people in holes? Like, there's so many <laughs> lyrics in this phase that reference people in holes. You yeah, this one, one goes this. right back to fire coming out of the monkey's head. Well, and then also in his verse in Demon Days, he talks about uh, down in holes or whatever that lyric is. Right, yeah, I forgot about that one. It seemed to be a fixation Yeah, for Damon at this time. Like we said in Bill Murray, this one really feels like a sister song to that one, I think. It's kind of just this loose reggae-ish exploration of the album's themes on a more, like a really more impressionistic level and you know some might argue that like well it doesn't have verses you know i i'm happy as fuck with how for far along this song was developed i don't think it needs yeah. any more like it's just a jam it's just a fucking jam, just a jam. i love it you know what else is a jam to somebody <laughs> i mean there are probably a few people but yeah, the original demo version of Don't Get Lost in Heaven. Okay, so this is the B-side on the uh, the El Manana single in the UK DVD version, the Japanese single version, and the US digital EP version. Now, you know how it said that it's better that we have uh, Murdoch is God and that kind of stuff than us not having it? Right. Not sure if I want to extend the same courtesy to this one. I will, okay. Let me give you the only arguments in, the, in favor of this version that I could come up with, okay? I think that this might have been an interesting stepping stone on figuring out what Demon Days was going to be like, because it sounds like he was thinking, well, maybe I could write really heavy lyrics and make really fun songs about it. And he tried this, and then he was like, no, that didn't work. <laughs> um, that's interesting, though, because wouldn't you say that's kind of what's going on on humans in a way? Yeah, it is. I think I think it's a refinement of, and even maybe Plastic Beast to an extent. Um, a little bit. The other, the other thought I had, Trevor, is how would this song sound to us if the album version didn't exist? Like, if, if Don't Get Lost in Heaven was not on Demon Days and we were introduced to this song in this form on D-Sides or on a, on a, as a B-Side of a single, w- would we extend it more courtesy? Would we think, uh, oh, have you ever listened to the lyrics in that song? Like, they're really good. Or, or like, how would we process this if it wasn't suffering so much from the comparison that's a good question there's like a really weird string instrument thing happening in the outro that i like and then i also like just for its like amateurishness i love that you can hear that wind noise that damon's mouth makes when he sings (laughs) the last steak on the outro is that his broken tooth it might be his broken tooth is this a reggae would you call this another reggae tune maybe if you slowed it down a little bit it feels like he might be playing with those. The baseline feels maybe a little bit reggae. Well, it's a little too. It feels a little too jaunty. I don't know. I always it makes me think I'm at a hoedown or something. It sounds silly to me, this song. But would it sound as silly if we didn't have the album version? I wonder. I don't know. I think it would have just been more of a curiosity. Maybe so. But it kind of still is. But I mean, at least now it's like a, a document of something. Yeah. Are we down to the last track? This is it, right? Stop the dance. Stop the dance. Then we could stop this fucking podcast. No, I'm having a, I'm having a <laughs> lot of fun. Trevor, this song was a B-side on the El Manana single release in the UK, European, and Japanese CD versions, and it was also on the US Digital EP of, of El Manana. This is one of my favorites on the album. It's pretty, again, this one is pretty close to being top three. I have a little bit of trivia for you about this one that I'm not sure if you're familiar with. Yeah, tell me. So uh, we talked about uh, Spitting Out the Demons being performed live. Did you know that this one has also been performed live in a way? No! It has. Back before it even came out, before they recorded it, Damon played this song live with Ghost Digital. Who's on the track. Um, at some kind of environmental benefit. See, I thought maybe, because I'd, I'd had this weird half memory that maybe this was part of a, a benefit album the way that, that Hong Kong was, but I, mm-hmm. I must have been thinking of that. It wasn't It wasn't called Stop the Dams then. It was a very radically different song. It was called Aluminium. It was probably like twice as fast, uh, which weirdly enough kind of turns... This one into like a ska tune. Oh, weird. Yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to check that out. Does it only exist in like bootleg form? A very, very low quality recording on YouTube. You'd have to find. I'll have to look it up. That's all there is. I'm sure I heard it at the time, but it, but yeah, that's awesome. It breaks my heart that it never got a like a more at least like a high quality. We never really got a high quality recording of it because it's a really, really good song. Like they added some killer bass to it. The horn part sounds sick when you speed it up. And there's even like a bunch of Kid Koala-esque record scratches on it. Fuck, that's weird. I'm de- as soon as we're off the mic, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go listen for that. You should pause the episode and go listen to that now. It's got listening. a really anthemic chorus to it, too. It's like so different from the kind of like sleepy lament Damon turned it into. I honestly kind of like the live performance better. I, I sure do love this version we have. You know, there's something going on in this track, which is that he's playing his melodica in a way that he's never played it on another Gorillaz track. He's like playing low register chords on his melodica and it's like the most tasteful 
use of the melodica I th- ever probably or just ever in music the lyric is so glorious i think it's it's a it's a it's a highlight of, of damon's career as a lyricist in fact i love to sort of collect songs trevor that i think have excellent opening lyrics yeah like for example uh elvis costello in the in the deep dark truthful mirror uh the opening lyric is one day you're gonna have to face the deep dark truthful mirror and it's gonna tell you things that i still love you too much to say it's pretty good but i love stop the dams when you're smoking in tinfoil in the morning it's going to be a cruel day. <laughs> that is pretty good, yeah. <laughs> That's a fucking heavy, great lyric. Uh, yeah. I don't know if any of you have ever free-based cocaine, but he's dead on. It's going to be a rough day if <laughs> if it's the morning and you're already free-basing. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if he was speaking from experience, being that around this time is when he was kind of newly sober from that shit. Probably, yeah. So yeah, this one features Ghost Digital. I can't really remember who they are. So Ghost Digital is a guy. He was uh, he was in the Sugar Cubes, the Bjork band. Oh, okay. And he's gone on to have a pretty respectful uh, solo career. On this track, he's playing that trumpet and, of course, delivering that very weird monologue. I did not know that that was him. Yeah, that's both of them. Uh, he's, a, he's a trumpet player. It's kind of what he's made his name as, and, in, and it was his dedicated role in the Sugar Cubes. Um, I really love the arrangement. It's so Sgt. Pepper's uh, with that yes. timpani and that, and that trumpet, you know? Totally. What do you make of that, that spoken word section, and specifically that metaphor of, of metal in your head clanging around and damming up your thoughts? Like, what do you... What, I, I thought about this for a while, and I came up with my interpretation, but I don't know that I'm satisfied with my interpretation. I like it a lot, and I think it plays uh, pretty well into that interpretation of D-Sides being a more personal album about what living in times like that can do to an individual. Yeah, there was something about, like, because also Damon kind of has some lyrics that reference the natural splendor of the world, you know, like right. like sunrises and things. And I wonder if the if sort of metal clanking around in your head is like the idea of all these earthly human concerns that sort of distract you and right. keep you from from being a more natural connected uh, version of yourself i think you said in our demon days episode um if each of the albums represent a different element or something like that demon days is the earth record sure and i yeah. think this plays into that theme pretty well the melody is so pretty it's a gorgeous song yeah i feel like the style of course anyway the way that the way that bill murray and and spitting out pair off this pairs off with hong kong kind of nicely as being you know lullabyic yeah, and just kind of different from anything they've done before or since. Uh, in lieu of having not having Hong Kong close out the album, I think that "Stop the Dams" was a was a was a smart choice. Definitely. And I remember when we got this on that El Manana B side, uh, how kind of special this felt as as like a sort of a send off of Phase Two. Yeah, I remember at the time feeling like this was the last Gorillaz song. Cause, yeah, because there comes a point at the end of every phase where where. Damon's opinion of the group has soured and he starts making bold proclamations about never returning and yep. and I don't know the melancholy and the sweetness and the and the beautiful of the song paired nicely with saying goodbye to the face yeah. you know it felt like a nice little closing closing epilogue and that takes us to the end of disc 1 of of D-Sides we're not going to get into um just two just yet i'm sure oh, that are they we will not? come wow i'm so disappointed i know i know i know you, you know how much I, you know how much about. i love gorillas remixes brace for it because there will come a day when we are hard up for episode material and and d sides this too is coming it's yeah. coming yeah before we get to that obviously though do you want to do you want to hear my resequenced version of d sides yeah let's hear the the Ikrath. Uh, version. All right, I think it's pretty good. I think I fixed all the problems I've had with the record. Um, again, I took kind of like a two-sided approach to it. We got only 10 songs. I only kept, I think I only kept like original material. I even took off the demos and stuff. So we were still leading with 68 State. Then I thought a good first kind of proper song that would be We Are Happy Landfill. Kind of just like start things off on a really high energy note. Um, Rocket, track three, because I think you got to have that one pretty up early in the uh, up early in the track list. Then track four is Hong Kong, which kind of acts, I think, as a Climax of side one, followed by Highway Under Construction, which is a nice little low-key follow-up to that. I like it. Uh, for side two, I wanted to start off with a, an instrumental track, so I threw Bill Murray on there. Pretty much an instrumental, right? Then uh, Hong Kongaton, I think this is a good space for a track that's as like weird and dark as that one is. Followed by uh, the Swagga, because you know we're kind of approaching the climax of the record now, and I wanted to bring that kind of high emotional anxiety edge to it. Uh, track number nine would be Spitting Out the Demons, because I think it's 
good to have a little pre-finale jam right there, and that's kind of one of the darkest parts of the record. Yeah, it's sort of like a tension release moment. Yeah, and then I wanted to close with Stop the Dams, because like we said, it's such a good, it's such a good farewell. So I have questions. Okay. No, I have question, I'll say. All right. Uh, obviously, you ditched Murdoch is God because it sucks, and you ditched Don't Get Lost in Heaven because it's an inferior version of a track that we have. Right. People, I think, is essential enough to be on this I thing. don't think so. It just feels... Maybe it's because I can't get past the dare comparison. It feels so tossed off and so sketchy, and it just doesn't really fit in with the rest of the tracks. I, be, I Boy, I, I, can't, I can't agree. All right. That's just going to have to be... One place where we disagree. At least it's not... You're not saying that the reason it's off is because no no early versions of other songs are allowed on. Because, I mean, you yourself put put the English version of Latin Simone on your canonical version of G-Sides. G-Sides was such a different release than D-Sides, though, you know? I mean, I just wanted to go for a different kind of thing here. I understand. I understand. And I just don't think people had any had any spot on this record. But I would be super interested in hearing what other people would do in that kind of situation. So definitely send us those opinions. Yeah, I'd love to hear. Like, are there? Okay, let's say let's say you had to turn D sides into a proper Gorillaz album. Like, what would you keep off? Would you add anything? Like, I'd love to add Mr. Softies to this collection. But is there anything that you wish was on this? Like, I think the the version of this album that exists in my head has white light on it because Demon Days doesn't, and has Mr. Softies on it, and doesn't have. Murdoch is God or Don't Get Lost in Heaven. And in that version, that alternate parallel universe version of, of D-Side, this album, in my opinion, starts to give Plastic Beach, like, starts to nip at the heels of Plastic Beach as, as potentially overtaking it as a better Gorillaz album, but it's doesn't quite get It's just such a strong there. collection of songs. Like, there's no other way to look at it. I will say that... that at the end of our at the end of our our G sides episode, I was done with G sides for a while. I'm done with Plastic Beach for a while. I'm still listening to Humans pretty regularly, but I, I did not really burn out on D sides this week listening to it. I, I still found I've myself... never managed to for some reason. It's just such a rewarding collection of songs to just go back to whenever you want. Like these are the gorilla songs that I never get tired of for some reason. Trevor, if uh, if the people want to get in touch with us, you know they have all kinds of options. They do. Why don't you uh, remind them what those are, though? Sure, they can hit us up uh, at hallelujahmonkeys at gmail.com. Uh, they can hit us up on Twitter at gorillasfancast. On Tumblr, hallelujahmonkeys.tumblr.com. Uh, Facebook.com slash hallelujahmonkeys. There are all kinds of options. And again, if you are a fall super fan, not the Mark E. Smith band, but the Gorillas album, The Fall, we got to hear from you. We really want you to just put your thoughts together, make some notes for yourself, record yourself. You know, making your case for the fall, and uh, and we'll definitely play your your entry on our show unless we find it to be I don't know racist or distasteful. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to hearing that though. I think next episode is going to be pretty fun. This is going to be a crazy week. Like you and I are going to spend the next week like binging and overdosing on the fall. Yeah, <laughs> it'll be interesting to see the state we're both in by uh, by the time the next episode runs. Maybe around. next week we'll come to the come onto the mics as fucking changed men. Maybe we'll Possibly. be born again as, as into the cult of the fall. Yeah, uh, and we'll. T- We'll get into it next week and whatever else happens in the week in Gorillas. And until that time, I am Dylan Flynn. I'm Trevor Ickrath. I really don't have something this time. You know, don't get lost in heaven because uh, many, many people I've known got lost. Good. Nice. Perfect. Pull that one out. See you next week, everybody. (laughs) 